Welcome to another episode of the CHL Top 10 Show presented by Kia. I'm Scott Van Kunit. And this week, my guests are super rookie from the Saginaw Spirit, Michael Misa, and we'll talk about his incredible start to his OHL career, the run the Spirit are on, and handling all the pressure, and if he surprised himself with his play. Then, veteran play-by-play voice, host of the OHL Hot Stove and OHL Priority Selection, Terry Doyle stops by to talk about Michael Misa, the OHL teams in the Kia CHL Top 10 rankings, and the Memorial Cup presented by Kia. Let's hear from Michael Misa. Joining me now from the hottest team in the CHL, the Saginaw Spirit, is the OHL rookie scoring leader, Michael Misa. Michael, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm doing great. You know, coming off uh, a week where you had wins over Flint, Sarnia, and Windsor, uh, extending your win streak to to nine games, um, like I mentioned, the the longest streak currently in the CHL. What's what's clicking for the Spirit right now? Uh, I think uh, everyone's just uh, clicking into the team system, playing our roles, and everyone's doing what Coach Lazzi tells us to do. And I think that's a big part of our team success right now. Now, you guys are uh, honorable mentions in the Kia CHL top ten rankings last week. This week, you've you've climbed the rankings. Uh, how nice is it for you guys to get that national recognition? It's obviously great uh, being recognized in honorable mentions there, but uh, it's just, uh, it's obviously motivation to keep going because uh, we know we have it in our group. Now you, you're up to uh, 14 goals on the year. Um, it leads all CHL rookies in, in goals and your 1.44 points per game also leads all CHL rookies. So how has the adjustment been for you, the transition from minor midget to the OHL bin? It's uh, it's definitely been tough for sure. The speed and uh, physicality wise is uh, something that I'm still adjusting to. It's uh, It was much different for minor midget and I think I'm going to obviously keep having to adjust. But I think with SAG, um, like our coach really uh, does us like he does well with us. We uh, really pay attention and practice and stuff and I think it translates in games. You've got some good veterans on in, in the lineup with you. How have they helped you come along and develop? Uh, all the bats have been super nice to me, and uh, they really uh, taught me a lot of stuff that I uh, had to learn for the O, and I, uh, I'm really grateful to have them on my team. What can you say about the season that uh, Pavel Mitikov has been having, the, the Anaheim prospect? He's, you know, second in... OHL scoring and obviously tops amongst all defensemen. Yeah, he's a heck of a player. It's it's super nice to have him on our team. You can always rely on him to make a good player do something good. So, yeah, it's great to have him on our team. How have you been able to handle the pressure? You know, obviously everybody knows your name for being granted exceptional status. So, what you know, you're a player that's going to be targeted on the ice to to shut down. How have you been able to handle that pressure? Um, I think just blocking it out of your head is something that I've always done, just not really thinking about the pressure and just doing what I can on the ice because that's the only thing I can really control is what I do on the ice. It's, it's uh, like I said, uh, off camera earlier, it's Silver Stick weekend in Ontario. Um, you know, one of the, obviously one of the biggest uh, minor hockey tournaments. You've got a lot of friends that are playing in it. Is it weird? Um seeing them in the silver stick and and you're competing in the OHL uh, I mean it's obviously great yeah I have a bunch of friends in that silver stick tournament just seeing them doing well obviously is uh it's great to see and 
I, I remember that tournament. So I, I think they're having some fun over there for sure. What was your welcome to the OHL moment for you? Uh, I think just probably scoring my first goal in our home opener. Trying to fight off the check. Now it's Locus. Misa in the soft spot. Scores! First OHL goal. Um, the, probably the like my best experience so far in the O, which uh, it was it was a really good experience. So yeah. What was it like that uh, that first time when when Mississauga came to town and you got to face off against your brother Luke? Misa, both Misas will be starting at center ice for the opening face-off, and we are underway. It was great, you know, something we've we've always talked about is playing the O against each other and seeing it actually happen. It was uh, it was pretty surreal, but yeah, it was a great game playing against them. Who I want to know who's got the bragging rights right now. I know you guys won the game, but but Luke got an assist and you were shut out of the game. So who's got bragging rights? Uh, I think we. Uh, we probably won, so I would say us, for sure. And then the first time that you faced off against uh, your former teammate, Malcolm Spence, uh, you know, you guys are obviously uh, rivals now with the Saginaw-Erie connection, but what was that game like? Oh, it was, uh, that was a great game. They uh, they played us really well, and he had a he had a heck of a night, which is, uh, I'm so happy for him. He's been one of my best friends along the way, so I'm just happy I, uh, we're both succeeding right now. Do you guys chat at all on the ice or is it, you know, once once the puck's dropped, guys aren't friends and then and then after the game you might shoot a text or or chat? Well, yeah, we're always I think we're joking on the ice quite a bit, just uh getting each other's gear, but we just know it's jokes and then I yeah, I I did see him after the your game, which was nice for sure. And you know, you you just keep hitting all these milestones. What was it like getting your first overtime winner this past week? One back, Minchukov in front for Misa, he scores! Michael Misa ends it in overtime, Sangha wins this one, 4-3. Oh, it was, that was uh, great, especially um, since uh, it was a tough game for us. We know we had to fight back in that one, so yeah, it was, it was a great, great moment for sure. Uh, that one against Flint in the, in the, the rivalry there as well. Um, you got to go to the under 17s. You won silver. What was what was that experience like for you getting to pull on the the Team Canada jersey? I thought it was great. Uh, overall, it was a great tournament, and uh, I think our Canada team uh, did really well because we bonded well and just created uh, quick chemistry, which I uh, thought really uh, impacted our team in a good way. How does uh, going to that tournament help when you come back? We always talk about an under 17 bumps where where they get, the rookies get to go and they're playing against other players in the same age group, and then they come back to the respective leagues, leagues and, and seem to take off after that. Did you find that with yourself? Um, I think just uh, taking a couple weeks off uh, the O um, to play the U-17s obviously was a great experience, but I think it's, it was, it's good to be back now um, for sure, and it's great that our team's having a lot of su uh, success. Your your teammate Zane Parekh uh, also went to the under 17s. He had two assists in nine games before he left, and since he's been back, he's he's been on quite the tear with with five goals and eight points in his five games back. So what's uh, what's clicked for him right now? 
I think, yeah, like you said, when you come back from that tournament, you just uh, you gain a lot of confidence, I think, playing with kids your own age. And uh, especially for Zane, I think that really helped him. And you can uh, now see, like, how good of a hockey player he is, which is uh, it's great to see. We always talk about, um, you know, the, the CHL, the OHL. We've got the best of both worlds where you've got the best hockey and you've got the schooling that goes along with it. How, for, you know, you're obviously, you're the youngest player in the league. So how's the adjustment been for you on the schooling side of it? Uh, I think it's been good. You know, my billets are uh, really good with me. And um, Saginaw really, uh, their organization's really helped us out and just made everyone feel like they're at home, basically. And often there's study halls and they uh, they treat us really well outside of hockey. Last week, it was announced that Saginaw is going to be one of four teams uh, submitting a bid to host the 2024 Memorial Cup presented by Kia. How exciting is that for you guys? We were pumped about it when we heard the news, obviously. And uh, yeah, it'd be pretty, pretty surreal if we uh, got a, mem a Memorial Cup in Saginaw, for sure. What's, uh, what's been the chatter in the, in the dressing room? Obviously, the, a good chunk of the guys are eligible to return. There's only a few that will be graduating. So um, what's, what were you guys, you know, what's been the talk? Right now, it's, it's pretty much all smiles. You know, we're winning a lot. Uh, all the boys are getting along really well. So, yeah, the room vibe is really good right now. How much does um, having success right now, how is that going to help you guys going into next season? I think it obviously just builds your confidence. Anytime you uh, get a win in any league, it's always a good thing. So, for next year, I think that will definitely help for sure. You know, it's been uh... – a few months now, quite a few months actually, since uh, the OHL Cup, when you really put yourself out there breaking Connor McDavid's uh, OHL Cup points record um, with five points in, in the championship game. Now that you've had some time to reflect on that, does it mean a little bit more? What, what, what do you draw from that? Minute 30 to go. It's going to be a five on three when they touch it again. It's yours, Misa, passes across, scores! That's a record breaker. Bodie Stewart finishes off the play. And for Misa, it's a new tournament record with 20 points at the 2022 OHL Cup. Um, I think that uh, that we got the win in that tournament was obviously something we've always wanted to do. Um, but uh, I think just going into the Saginaw now, I don't, I'm not really looking too much at the OHL Cup when I'm just trying to do the best I can with my new team and uh, I think we're doing that right now. This upcoming weekend you have uh, your first trip up north to the Sioux and then you've got Sarnia. What do you guys have to do to, to keep on this this winning streak and keep having the success that you're having? I think just sticking to our game plan, uh, doing what our coach Laz tells us to do. Um, yeah and I think we'll be fine. Have you have you had a chance to to pick the brains of of other players that were granted exceptional status, the Bedards, McDavid's, you know, uh, Tavares, any of those guys, uh, just to see Shane Wright, um, you know, who's having success in the AHL right now, just to to see what it was like for them. Well, when when I uh, got granted it, some of them reached out to me, which I thought was it was pretty cool to get a conversation with them. But no, yeah, they're all superstars. I'm just you know trying to follow in their lead, take stuff I can from them and just apply it into my game.
And for, for the player or for, for the fans, you know, maybe out West or out East who, who haven't been able to, to watch Michael Misa play yet, uh, how would you describe yourself as a player? Uh, I think I'm pretty creative player. Uh, I have good deception with the puck. I think just, I think I'm more of a playmaker, just trying to um, do the most I can with the puck and dish it off to teammates for sure. We got a lot of season left. Are there any particular arenas that you're still looking forward to playing in or any teams that you've got circled that you either want to get um, some revenge against or just looking forward to playing against them for the first time still? I think the Bud in London was definitely the one I was most excited to play about. Um, just the atmosphere there was it's pretty uh, it's pretty unreal. So goal so far. Here's the chance in front of the net. Call it 42 and dribbles in on the power play. Here's a chance for Saginaw. Look at the youngster in Misa. And he scores his second goal of the hockey game. That was definitely the number one on my list, but we played there now, so it was pretty cool though. Do you have any uh did you have any goals set out for yourself this year? Like any milestones that you wanted to hit or not not in particular, not really. I just uh want to just do the best I could on the ice. Uh but no, I haven't I haven't really thought of any, to be honest. Were are you surprised at how successful you've you've been able to be? Like did you did you think you were gonna have so much success so far? Well, I think a huge part of my success is just my team. They uh they really helped me out a lot. So definitely uh my team helps me there for sure. Awesome. Michael, this has been a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. We go from the exceptional Michael Misa to the exceptional Terry Doyle, the host of the OHL Roundtable and play-by-play -play voice of the Sarnia Sting. Terry, thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? Scott, good to see you. It's great to see you. Great to talk hockey anytime. Yeah, it's great to see you. It's been, uh, every time I talk to you, I feel like it's been too long since we've talked. <laughs> um, since I, we already spoke with Michael Misa, uh, we might as well start there. What are your thoughts on the exceptional talent from Saginaw? Uh, obviously, he's off to a hot start, but you've seen all the other exceptional players come through the OHL. So how would you rate the start of his young OHL career? I'd put him right up there with pretty much all of the rest of them as well. And one of the things I look at is if I see him on the ice, do I have to be reminded that he's an exceptional player, that he's 15 years old? And yes, I do have to be reminded of that. Or fans watching, they see number 77 for Saginaw. They wouldn't know that he's 15, the way he plays out there, you know, the number of goals he scored. But he also plays in important situations. They're not afraid to put him out on the ice in the final minute with the net empty at the other end, for example, and having to play strong in his own zone. Of course, you know, protecting a one-goal lead or a two-goal lead, for example. And he's able to just get involved in the play no matter what it is. And I think that's the big key. And we've seen that over the years, whether it's a McDavid, whether it's a Tavares, you name it. Those players that come in as an exceptional player. And I think that's where I remember even Aaron Eckblad coming in. And I always joked that I wanted to see his ID because I didn't believe he was 15 at that standpoint. So I think that's where, for me, it really jumps out. And he certainly has looked that he fits right in and very worthy of being granted that exceptional player status. And, and you see him even off the ice because that's part of the process as well. And I talked to him uh, recently after the first period in a first intermission interview, very poised, well-spoken, didn't even look like he broke a sweat. He sort of got that thick hair and it wasn't even sweating. He was just looked like he was just relaxed in a pregame interview. And just, uh, and that was even, you know, my crew here who isn't as up on the players, they noticed that said, wait, he's 15. Wow. 
and they were really impressed. So I think that shows just how well-rounded and indeed exceptional Michael Misa is for the Saginaw Spirit. I remember when Ekblad came in, uh, he could grow a better beard then than I can now still. So um, Misa, you know, 14 goals, like you said, he's putting up the points, 26 points in 18 games. He's tops amongst all CHL rookies, 10th in the OHL in points per game. So obviously offensively, he's, he's, you know, he's right there with, like you said, all the other exceptional players that have gone through. How, how much is having the guys like Mintikov, Sapovalov, and Bloom, he's gone now, but having those guys there to, to maybe take some of the attention away from him to be able to, to do his thing? Oh, that's huge because indeed, if he was the uh, the top guy on that team or expected to be the absolute top guy, there indeed is that additional pressure. And that, of course, means the top defenseman would have to key on him even more or a shutdown forward would have to key on him more. Now, indeed, with a Minchikov, a Sapovalov, and everyone else on that roster, they've got a good roster there in Saginaw. That makes him slide in a little bit to a better position for him to not have to take the load. And you see, like a Pavel Minchikov, who's a real hybrid defenseman, not afraid to join the rush. He'll start at the point. And next thing you know, he's behind the net or working in the corner. And that really makes things difficult for opposing players and therefore opens things up. But And Michael Misa just has that hockey smarts as well to know the situation. He scored a recent goal in Hamilton where he just went to the net with his stick down and he just knew to be in that position. Zane Perrick plays it out front and Misa scores. We've seen that sometimes over the years where even 16-year-olds come in and are expected to do a lot right off the bat and sometimes makes things a little difficult, especially in the first half of the season. But uh, Misa is definitely you know, fitting right in very well in Saginaw because he is surrounded with an excellent team, excellent coaching staff, and of course a strong organization to support him off the ice too. Well, you've already seen him play twice this year, uh, coming to town again this weekend. What do you expect to, what kind of growth do you expect to see from him the rest of the way throughout the year? I think for him, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what he does even away from the puck. And when you watch the game closely and those other things, you know, players like that, they have the talent, they can score. It's those things when you get a chance to watch a game up high, for example, and see maybe when he picked up somebody coming back on the back check. And I've even seen that in a recent game where there was a play where he came back and he was very deep in the defensive zone, breaking up a scoring chance for Sarnia Sting. And that's the things I think that really jump out where coming from minor hockey into the Ontario Hockey League, such a talented player like that doesn't necessarily have to worry about those things as much, but obviously well-coached in minor hockey and then well-coached in SAG. And I think that's where we really see the growth. And then, of course, even after Christmas, games are harder to play. It's difficult, more difficult to win in the OHL after Christmas and teams teams sort of solidify their rosters and toughen things up a little bit. And that's where they're probably going to say, okay, let's wear on this kid a little bit and let's see what we can get. And I'm sure that's where we see that poise come through and just that natural skill. And of course, with the support staff there as well. But I think that's where we're going to see the growth and really, you know, stand out even more. And, you know, we're seeing this as a 15 year old, wait to see when he's 16, when he's 17, getting closer to that national hockey league entry draft. The Saginaw Spirits are ninth in the Kia CHL top 10 rankings this week, riding a nine-game win streak. Obviously, he's a big part of that. Uh, another rookie who's been a big part of that for them is Zane Perek, who's been on an absolute tear since coming back from the under-17s. It's not the first time we've seen that from the under-17s and then coming back to their junior clubs. 
Absolutely. And we have seen this over the years coming back from that tournament, whether it's when it is now in early November or when it was over the holiday season as well. Players getting a chance to get their feet wet in the OHL, Western League and the Quebec League across the CHL, and then go back and play with their own age group for 10 days and just gain a little more confidence and maybe get back to the way they played in minor hockey where they were one of the top end players versus maybe more of a depth player in their junior team right now for the first couple months. And we see this with Perez. Uh, Porter Martone of the Sarnia Sting lit it up at that under 17 camp. He hadn't scored his first OHL goal. His first game back in Sarnia, he scores his first OHL goal. Mies, of course, just picked up where he left off, uh, whether he's playing in Sagan or under 17s. But yeah, Perex looked very strong. And it's always great to see when those players get a chance to, I think, get their feet wet in the CHL first, then go to that tournament, come back, and just with that extra confidence and able to uh, maybe slow the game down a little bit more when they come back to their Canadian Hockey League team. Well, let's take a look at another team uh, real quick. The Ottawa 67s, the top-ranked OHL team in the Kia CHL Top 10 rankings. Uh, they've cooled off a little bit lately, but they were off to that really, really hot start. Uh, what kind of team do you see them as this year? A deep team. I think that's first and foremost for me as a team that has so many players that can come at you, whether it's Luca Pinelli, their top score, and then just go right down the list. Even a Brady Stonehouse, a player who can chip in offensively, but not afraid to mix things up as well, makes it very difficult for them to play against uh, over the course of the regular season. And I think especially in the playoffs. And of course, you look at the guy behind the bench, Dave Cameron, been around the Canadian Hockey League, been around the OHL for many, many years, been around the pro circuits, and his teams always do well, always play a very sound structured game but works very well with the players that he has and we've seen that with the 67s uh, throughout this season and last season as well and I think we've seen that throughout Dave Cameron's time in the Canadian Hockey League going back to of course when he was involved with the Memorial Cup host back in 2011 in Mississauga where they were the OHL finalist and then uh, competed right through that tournament as well and I think that's when we see a Dave Cameron team we've seen Dave Cameron of course coaching with Team Canada having some success there too and I think that's you know someone who's well respected in the coaching circles does very well and then of course with any team you need goaltending Max Donoso came in last year really took over and pushed Will Cranley for that number one spot Will Cranley we now see him over in Flint and uh, I think it's a case where anytime you're going to have a successful club you need good goaltending and that's where it starts Donoso has played very well and really taken the ball and run with it after uh, coming in with an opportunity last season and then you look at goaltending, you look at offense, and leading the way for the Owen Sound attack, who earn an honorable mention after being an early season favorite in the OHL. Uh, you've got Gour, Gandon, and Barlow, who are third through fifth in OHL scoring now, and they seem to be heating up. Oh, and that was, I remember even looking last year and seeing those numbers, and especially with Gandon and with Barlow, players in their first year, and you're thinking, wow, they're this good now? Wait till you see what happens when they come back and get a little bit older and more experienced. And I thought that's an Owen Sound attack team and their fans can be very excited. And when you're able to throw goal scorers like that, and you mentioned Danny Gore is a veteran who can not only uh, put up offense, but not afraid to uh, mix it up and get in the corners as well. Real fan favorite there in Owen Sound. And you have a team like that. And of course, even their home games, it's tough a play to play at the Bayshore and Owen Sound for visiting teams. And that makes things very interesting. Interesting goaltending situation as well. Nick Chouinard has played very well as well, but, uh, you know, Carter George comes in there and has really helped out too. So I think you see those two. And once again, if you've got goaltending, that's a huge part of being a winning hockey club. But I think that depth in Owen Sound really comes on very strong. That's a very difficult team to play against. They have the talent up front. 
but they're not afraid to play a grind it out game, a slug it out game if they have to, and make things very difficult for their opponents that way too. Servak Petrovsky, uh, Minnesota Wild prospect. He's got a couple of hat tricks this month as well, so he's starting to heat up too. And then don't look now, but here come everybody's favorite team to hate, the London Knights. They, they're on a five-game win streak after their win last night. Uh, a little bit su surprising at the start of the year to see them down near the bottom of the standings. This is kind of where we expected to see them year after year. Is, is this the real London Knights team now? I think so. And we've seen that. I know there's been a few years where we see the standings early in the season and people would say, oh, where are the Knights? And next thing you know, around late November into the holiday season, they would just take off. And we're seeing that. And it starts with Brett Roshu, who even by his standards had a little bit of a rough start. He's had some injuries over the last 12 months as well. And I think now that he's really solidified his game, that's where the confidence starts and it really grows out from there. And then you look at, of course, a lot of the big names have graduated, but you get a Sean McGurn. Then you get George Diaco coming over from the Hamilton Bulldogs. Has that championship experience really helping them? 25 points in his first 19 games. And we see with those Dale Hunter teams, he makes adjustments. If he has that team that has the star power, throws the five forwards on the power play, for example. And I've even seen games where Dale will rest the big guys for maybe a good chunk of the second period. Then there's a power play. Boom, they're out there well-rested. And at the same time, if Dale Hunter coach teams are ones that maybe doesn't have that star power, we'll play more of a tight checking game. We'll trap it up. We'll play more solid defensively and then take advantage of their chances as well. So, you know, Dale Hunter will make adjustments and maybe this year just took a little bit longer to make some adjustments. But I think we see now with that club really taking off, really gelling together. And I think it was only a matter of time, a really solid group of OHL veterans on that team. And then you get a couple of the young guys coming in as well. You know, a Denver Barkey now in his second year in the Ontario Hockey League, someone who course was highly rated coming into the OHL and now finding his game more and more and I think that's where the Knights as we get into the holiday season and coming into January I think are going to be more and more difficult to play against. Watch out here come the Knights. Uh, the the final team that I want to touch on uh, obviously we got to touch on the Sarnia Sting. Uh, you got Ty Voigt who's leading the OHL in scoring. Uh, Nolan Burke got off to such a hot start he earned himself a entry-level contract and then they go out and make the deal for Sasha Pastajov. Uh, what do we expect from the Sting the rest of the way out here? Well, I think it starts in goal with Ben Godreau, a player who backstopped that uh, that Team Canada team a couple of years ago at the under-17s or under-18s down in Texas, that team that had Shane Wright and had Othman and all those guys after not playing all season, won gold, and he backstopped them. Of course, a draft choice of the uh, San Jose Sharks looking for a contract with the Sharks right now. So it starts with him. And then indeed, Ty Voigt signed with the Leafs, Nolan Burke signed with the Predators, Sasha Pasajov, uh, draft choice there of the Anaheim Ducks. So they have some star power. Ty Voigt is just fun to watch. He's about 5'8", five, 5'9", five, at most. He can stick handle in traffic, uh, very creative out there, sets up a lot of guys. And you see his numbers, leading the Ontario Hockey League in scoring, but not at double digits in goals. Six goals, 34 assists for 40 points and really helping out Nolan Burke with his big start to the season. And now Burke has been out of the lineup since passage came in. So uh, once Sarnia gets all their guys back, it's going to be very interesting indeed. And then you look down the list, Sarnia's defense is sort of a group that's a little bit been banged up. Once they come back, I think we could see things be very interesting. Boston Bruins prospect Ryan Mast among that group. But uh, yeah, I think the Sarnia Stinger, a club they can score 
It's can they uh, provide Godro with enough support and Godro may have to steal a game or two if the defense maybe isn't playing up to par, but we'll see what happens with them over the next little while. And then they bring in a couple imports quickly too. Marcus Limpar Lance and Sandus Vilmanis. Vilmanis, a draft choice of the Florida Panthers. Limpar Lance uh, played or uh, attended the Detroit Red Wings camp in the fall. Both of them played in Sweden last year, came over to the Canadian Hockey League, wanted to come. I talked to Vilmanis even before he was chosen by the Sting in the CHL import draft. He said, I wanted to come to the Canadian Hockey League to play and they really fit in. And that's where I think if Sarnia's top six really fills out, that could make things very interesting. You throw in an Angus McDonnell, a second-year player who had a four-goal game recently against the Oshawa Generals. Sarnia could be a club that uh, they can sort of get it all together and get everybody healthy. Could be very interesting to watch in a very interesting Western Conference in the Ontario Hockey League. When was the last time that you saw the, the Oshawa Generals, the Kitchener Rangers, the Guelph Storm, all in the bottom five of the OHL standings. It's, I don't really remember, you know, one team here, maybe two, but never those three teams, uh, you know, some, some of the historic teams across the OHL. Yeah, that's a bit of a head scratcher. And I think especially surprised coming into this season where we thought those teams, especially Guelph, for example, we thought they'd be a better club to start the year, but just kind of had difficulty keeping the puck out of their own net. And that's not uh, directly on the goaltending. That's on the team defense in general. They just were not doing a good job in their own zone. Kitchener, same thing. You look at their list and they just seem to not be able to find their way so far. And, uh, you know, same thing with the Generals. And the Generals are a team that had some veterans that have graduated over the past couple of years. So a little bit of a transition there in Oshawa. But you're right, seeing those three teams. But I think with all of them, it'll be very interesting to see what happens moving forward over the next little while to see how they uh, potentially adjust their rosters if they decide to uh, look forward and build around some of their young players or make some adjustments to help support the current players. And I think that's where both of those clubs, or all three of those clubs, are going to be very interesting to watch over the next month to five weeks, basically, to see how that all plays out. But, uh, yeah, some very interesting hockey. But the thing is, I think with all those teams, they can also come up and bite some teams. Sarnia hosted Guelph recently on a Wednesday night. Guelph came away with a shootout win. And then the next time they played, Sarnia came away with a shootout win. So Guelph was still picking up three out of four possible points in those two games against Sarnia, despite the fact the Storm were down in the standings and I'm sure uh, you know we saw Oshawa take a point out of Sarnia recently and Kitchener certainly a team that'll compete with anybody so I think that's the one thing we're seeing right now sure those teams are a little lower in the standings but on any given night I don't know what's cliche but on any given night they can certainly compete with anybody in the OHL a lot of parity in the OHL this year um, what do you think has been the most in your eyes anyway the most surprising thing that you've noticed from this season I think it's interesting to see how things, you know, I think Saginaw, to be honest with you, yeah, they're a talented team, but I think how far they've jumped up, especially over the last month with their long winning streak has been very interesting. I think the fact the Windsor Spitfires have continued to uh, show some great uh, talent out there and kind of, you know, Matthew Maggio coming back from the New York Islanders and Bridgeport and the American League, I think has been huge for them. Um, you know, Matias Anushka came in last year, backstopped them to the Western Conference Championship and one game away from moving on and winning the OHL title, losing in game seven against Hamilton. I've talked to people around the league. It's like, how is Windsor still doing it? Wyatt Johnston graduates to the Dallas Stars, goes up as a player who, of course, could have come back to Windsor. Will Cooley, their captain last year, moves on. And I think we've seen that where they had talent graduate 
but Mark Savard, the head coach of that team, continues to get so much out of that group and uh, a good structured group. And we're seeing that. And I think that's, to me, one of the bigger surprises we've seen is just how good they've been. Uh, both Saginaw and Saginaw, you look at their list, they definitely have some talent there. And of course, Misa, Sapavalov, Minchikov, you name it. But I think Windsor, you look at that list and I think, you know, the casual fan around the Canadian Hockey League would have a hard time picking out players on the Windsor Spitfires they might recognize, yet they've been right there. They've cooled off a little bit recently, but off to such a great start and uh, right in the thick of things in the Western Conference. Well, you mentioned Wyatt Johnston, who's who's got nine points in his 23 games with Dallas, and he's certainly not coming back at this point. Um, another couple of names that uh, we should probably touch on would be Brant Clark in in L.A., who who just finished his conditioning stint, and then Shane Wright, who's in Coachella Valley right now on his conditioning stint. Let's start with Brant Clark. Only a couple of points with L.A. Looks like uh, he's world junior bound. What do you think? That's exactly. I think it's a case where, uh, you know, and I know the next player we'll talk about, well, right. I think they're both on similar paths right now to uh, go on to Team Canada for the World Juniors. And then after that, decide the next step. And I would expect the next step is a return to Canadian Hockey League and the OHL and what team they will return to. We'll find out as things uh, play themselves out. But I think both of them will eventually be back in the Ontario Hockey League once the World Juniors is over. But it does seem like both are on that same trajectory where uh, get some time in the National Hockey League, practice with the NHL team. And I think there is some value to that. And, you know, you and I remember back to Joe Thornton even when he uh, went up to the Boston Bruins and people thought, why not send him back? Well, the Bruins had decided that he had done so much in junior that it was time to learn at the National Hockey League level, get into a game, maybe watch a game, practice with the team. And I think where those two, those teams have decided that, and then it'll be a case where then they can continue their development, I expect, in the second half in the Ontario Hockey League and have that nice combination of playing some time and experiencing the pro level for a good chunk of the season, then come back and, uh, you know, potentially dominate the Ontario Hockey League in the second half and knowing they get that best, uh, you know, that development out of the OHL as well as being around pro teams for a good chunk of the season. And then, of course, the exposure at the World Juniors. I think we'll see that with both of them. Well, Shane Wright's obviously uh, showing that he's learning uh, with his play at Coachella Valley, uh, put, putting up the goals there. Uh, I tried to pick... Corey Cooper's brain and Kingston to see if he would leak anything to me on, on what uh, what the Kraken's plan is with him. He's been in touch with them. He, he wouldn't say what uh, what the plan is right now. But let's put our fantasy GM hats on. Uh, where would you like to see Shane end up um, if he got back to uh, sent back to the OHL? Well, of course, I've got to say the Sarnia Sting just because then I'd get a chance to see him play every home game. Of course, I have to say that. I think overall, it'd be very interesting to see would he end up you know, you have to look at the fit and what teams, if he was not going to have to end up at Kingston. Of course, it would look be great to see him back in Kingston. That's obvious. But let's say he's not back in Kingston. Who could, you know, make a move like that? And I think, you know, Saginaw would be interesting. But of course, as you know, you've talked about before, Saginaw bidding for next year's Memorial Cup presented by Kia. So I think that's one where we look at and say Saginaw is looking towards next year and would have to know what the plan is for Shane Wright next year if they were going to jump into that situation. But yeah, I think there's some interesting teams, but at the end of the day, it comes down to how much teams want to, you know, give up or move their young players. 
And I think that's where I'm a little challenged to see what teams would really want to step up and make those moves. Anybody can pick up a talent like Shane Wright. They would love to have him in, but indeed, what's it going to cost them if there is that move in their future? And I think that's where you know, I'm a little sometimes having a hard time seeing uh, what that fit is around uh you know around the ontario hockey league but i think all in all there will definitely be some teams uh you know making some uh making some calls making some moves and you talked about Corey cooper sometimes the nhl teams will give the ohl gms a certain amount of information sometimes they'll give them a lot sometimes they won't give them much and say you know you'll find out and uh we're not sure what we want to do we want to keep all our options open with a player and that's where, of course, the National Hockey League team has that uh, right and ability to decide what's best. And uh, many of them say, okay, at some point, we want you back in the Ontario Hockey League because it's the best fit for your development. But uh, I've heard GMs and coaches say until that player walks through the door, they just never know. But I think uh, I would expect we'll see uh, Shane Wright and Brant Clark. I'd be surprised if they're not both back in the Ontario Hockey League after World Juniors. Well, I know you didn't ask my opinion on it, but I'm going to give you my opinion on where I would like to see Shane Wright go. And I've said it before, and I, and I say it almost every year. I want to see Shane reunited with Brendan Offman, his former Don Mills Flyers teammate, their birthday buddies, their best friends. So my choice would be sending him to rival Peterborough, um, who obviously already picked up Brendan Offman. That's, that's where I'd like to see him go. And that would be very entertaining to see those two together. Fans in Peterborough would be, uh, they should be jamming the place if those two players were reunited. It would just be so entertaining to watch and, of course, make Peterborough a uh, force. They're already a strong team in the Eastern Conference trying to reel in Ottawa. But you add uh, Shane Wright and Brennan Offman together. It's like, all right, who's the third member of that line is basically the question. And maybe that third member of that line is, you go in the corner, find the puck, hand it to those two guys mm -hmm. and watch them work and watch them dance because they've been doing that for years, of course, playing together and Don Mills setting up the overtime winner back at their OHL Cup. And yeah, that would be quite the thing. It's just a case of Peterborough could uh, afford to make that move. But you know, uh, General Manager Mike Oak, if you could just say, yeah, can we just drop Shane right in your lineup? Uh, he'd say, yes, thank you very much. He, you know, have to be quiet about it right now. But if, if the opportunity came about, I'm sure he would take that in a heartbeat, as would uh, any of the 20 general managers in the Ontario Hockey League. And anything that Kingston could get for Shane obviously would help with their attempts in their bid for the 2024 Memorial Cup presented by Kia. So let's let's kind of handicap that field, which is, of course, the Kingston Frontenacs, the Niagara Ice Dogs, the Saginaw Spirit, and the Sioux Greyhounds. As of today, what? how would you handicap that field? Looking at the team they have on the ice at this moment and who could come back, Saginaw. I think that's where with the players, the, you know, if the NHL drafted players in Saginaw are back that we've talked about with Pavel Minchikov, Matias Sapovalov, you know, if they're back. And then you, of course, have Michael Meeson his second year already. I think that sets them up very well uh, from that standpoint. So I think if you just look at some of the current roster situations, that's certainly a very strong team. And, you know, the other clubs certainly are no slouches either. And they're certainly sort of setting themselves up a little bit. Uh, where, you know, it won't be necessarily this season to go for it, but they'll structure themselves for next season and probably look at that where maybe a player that's going to graduate this year after this year, give them a chance to go for an OHL championship somewhere else to indeed set themselves up for next season. But in terms of, I think, you know, the, the roster as it stands right now, I think Saginaw definitely has a team that's very strong, but that's, uh, you know, nothing against the other three, but I think it's sort of as here we are sitting at this point with still bids to come in in a couple months and more decisions to be made. And, you know, between now and when the bids are finalized team, those three other three teams will make adjustments 
in their rosters. And I think all three of them have some good young stars that'll start to grow and continue their growth. And then indeed, uh, there'll be some changes to the roster structure of all three. But yeah, as we stand, as you and I are talking here, Scott, you know, Saginaw, I think on the ice has to be the top club. And then we look at off the ice. That's where all four places, I think we do an amazing job of hosting the tournament. Were you a little bit surprised that Niagara and, and new ownership and Darren Dobler would want to bid already just having taken over ownership in the spring and and then putting themselves through that we know how how big of a, a deal this is and how much planning and organization it takes to to pull off a memorial cup but why not wait for three more years when it comes back into the ohl well i think the dobbler's not afraid to get involved in anything not afraid to roll up his sleeves not afraid to swing for the fences and I think that's where, you know, the Meridian Center in uh, St. Catharines is quite a facility and they do an amazing job of hosting it in that facility. And I think that's where indeed you swing for the fences, you go for it. And then at the same time, I think it's also valuable to go through that process more than once. And I think knowing exactly what the committee is looking for and what the requirements of the Canadian Hockey League are when it comes to that tournament. And I think even if, you know, rather than sitting on the sidelines for three years, even if you go through and first, you go through the bidding to win. But even if you're going through that bidding for that experience, knowing and after some feedback, okay, we like this, we like this. If you were going to get the tournament, we'd like you to fine tune that and that. Well, now you have three years to fine tune those things rather than going in the first time. And I think that's also very valuable. Sure, you can get some feedback, you can see what the requirements are, but still, until you have a chance to really bring your bid forward and showcase what you're going to provide and then find out, okay, we did like this, but uh, yeah, we wish maybe you tweaked this a little bit more. You know, we were concerned that maybe you wouldn't have enough space for four teams dressing rooms. I'm just using as an example. I'm sure they've got that covered. Well, now in three years, you would show off and say, okay, that's not going to be handicapped for us next time. We will definitely show them that we're going to have four excellent spaces for the teams and the official rooms and media and everything that goes around the Memorial Cup tournament and especially behind the scenes and the, the logistics and requirements that are necessary. So I think that's a big factor as well. You go through it to win the first time, but you also gain that experience versus I think if you didn't go through it this time, then you're kind of going through it the first time in three years and you run that risk of overlooking something. So I think, you know, I think, hey, why not swing for the fences? And Darren Dobbler's, you know, I think jumping into the Ontario Hockey League, not afraid to do that. And I think that's where uh, you get that valuable experience, even if you don't, uh, or if you're not granted as the host city. And we've seen that in the past where a team has bid one year and 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 weren't successful and then bid again the next time it came around and, and were successful because they've they learned on that bidding process. Uh, maybe let's take a quick look ahead to this year's Memorial Cup presented by Kia, which is in Kamloops. You've been to, uh, we were talking off camera, 21 straight Memorial Cups. So you've been all over the country. How much are you looking forward to getting out to Kamloops and, and being a part of that Memorial Cup? Oh, I'm very excited. I'm excited every year. And, you know, here it is late November into December, and I'm already excited. I can say I've actually never set foot in Kamloops. I, of course, was at the Kelowna tournament in 04 and, you know, CHL top prospects out in Kelowna as well, but I've not been to Kamloops. So looking forward to that. And for me, I'm always, I always like those cities where the arena is in a location sort of within near the hotels, near the restaurants and other facilities. And Kamloops has that. And so I'm so excited for that. When you're gonna be walking distance from the hotel to the arena, that just makes for such a great experience. And it's that, I call it Memorial Cup Village, where you have, you know, after a game, you don't have to find out and really coordinate where people are going to hang out after. 
you just show up, you just arrive because everyone's in that area. And, you know, whether you're in the hotel lobby and you run into people or just the walk between the arena and the hotel, or you go for a walk first thing in the morning and looking for breakfast. And whether you run into someone from one of the other leagues, whether you run into uh, a parent of a player that you happen to know, for example, we get closer to the CHL awards later in the tournament and you run into the players who are in town for that. It just adds so much to it. Some cities are just built like that. And Kamloops is set up for that situation. Some cities are more spread out. The arenas may be in the sort of that big parking lot type of area where the arena is separated from the rest of it. But Kamloops is set up. So, you know, very excited for that. Of course, uh, you know, the schedule's out. So getting a chance to already put that in my calendar and already thinking, hmm, okay, a couple afternoon games, Pacific time on the weekend of the first uh, weekend of the tournament means maybe some uh, social time afterwards as well versus when it's night games and then maybe the, the day is over once you're done at the arena. So always excited for that. So uh, the hotel's booked, the flight is booked, uh, certainly looking forward to Kamloops and it's an exciting time. And I explain it to people. It's, you know, for that nine, 10 days, you get the junior hockey community, the Canadian Hockey League community all under one roof. You, you know it as well. There are people who are there every year and people we don't see necessarily all through the year. And then we get together for those 10 days and we go our separate ways and plan for the next year's tournament. And uh, you pick up conversations from 12 months before it, the last year's tournament. And it feels like you just pick up where you left off and people that, you know, you think you might've been related, you know each other that well, but you only see each other 10 days a year. It is one of uh, hockey's greatest tournaments. I, I've, I've been to a number of them myself now since everyone since 2008 and, and have enjoyed every single one of them. Um, really looking forward to Kamloops. Tickets for, for Kamloops go on sale uh, December 1st, which is tomorrow. So uh, if, if you're not working at the event, then you better get your tickets to it because it's going to be one that you don't want to miss. And one player that will want to be there and still has a long way to go before being able to get there would be Connor Bedard of the Regina Pats. I know you cover the OHL, but you can't hide from Connor Bedard. What have you thought of his impressive season so far? Talk about exceptional. Like, you know what, that's one. And we're seeing it. It reminds me, of course, of McDavid Mania in the OHL. And of course, Connor Bernard selling out arenas in the Western Hockey League. That's what we saw with uh, Connor McDavid, the second half of his last season in the OHL and just a special player. And yeah, as soon as you said the combination of the Memorial Cup and, you know, if Connor Bernard was going to be there, my eyes just light up. And that would be such a you know experience for me, obviously, because of the fact you're right. Being involved in the OHL, you don't get a chance to see as much out west in the Quebec League. But uh, if I had that chance to sit through, you know, a Memorial Cup tournament, he was playing in it. What a great thing that would be. We go back to 05 with Sidney Crosby against that special London Knights team, for example. You know, Nathan McKinnon out in Saskatoon playing with the Halifax Mooseheads. When you have those top end players, especially maybe right before their NHL draft, so they're they're off to the National Hockey League afterwards. When you get a chance and you know i tell fans that as well you can watch uh, these players play for 20 25 dollars you can go watch them play for 150 or 200 dollars a year later which one do you think is the better choice that's why you come out and see your canadian hockey league team because you see so many of those star players so yeah bedard uh, certainly the headlines the highlights you name it it's such a great player and it does remind me of seeing Connor mcdavid come through the ontario hockey league and uh, you know certainly it's great to see western hockey league fans coming out to see him I was thinking the same thing the other day when when you saw he's making his first trip. Uh, he's partway through his first BC trip after the bubble year and then sticking to conferences last year. And and obviously none of those fans have been able to see him out there in his home province and, and just selling it out. And I, I just remember when McDavid would make his way east and, and the OHL buildings would be full and, and uh, it was the ticket to get. And, and 
you know, the proof is in the pudding on, on their talent to, you know, he's on a 24 game point streak right now, 54 points. It's, it's pretty impressive. You look at Jordan Dumay in Halifax though. Uh, he also has 54 points in 24 games this year and a pretty impressive run for, for him. So it's, we got, we got talent uh, coast to coast in the CHL and it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun to watch when you can watch. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny you talk about, you know, remember seeing Jordan Dumais at the uh, Memorial Cup last year coming into St. John as part of with the awards and things like that. And you're just, you know, it's kind of nice to, uh, you know, cross paths with players like that, that you don't get a chance to see throughout the season and need that uh, star power and, uh, you know, just the the fact that fans get a chance. And the other thing too, is when you get a chance to see them in maybe a 5,000 seat arena or a 6,000 versus going to a 20,000 seat arena in a couple of years, that experience that uh, fans across the CHL get and just the star power. And we've seen that across the league. And sometimes people wonder when players graduate, uh, where will the stars be? Well, next thing you know, the next group of stars comes along and you just go down, look at the top scores in all three CHL leagues right now are players that are already affiliated or will soon be affiliated with national hockey league clubs and, uh, you know, it's great to see those players come through. And any night in the CHL, we see some great players. Terry, what's what's coming up next for you? Obviously, you've got uh, games this weekend, but what's next on the, the agenda for, for Terry Doyle? Well, it's busy stretch uh, coming in the, the countdown to the holidays. Play-by-play uh, -play in Sarnia involves uh, a lot of games in a short period of time. So I uh, have to rest the vocal cords a little bit, but uh, that includes, of course, teddy bear toss, which is always a fun time. And I may or may not break out a uh, Christmas-themed suit jacket again. I've done that over the last five or six years. And even the, uh, the people who run the charitable organization who benefit from teddy bear toss, they always get a kick out of that as well to kind of uh, have some fun with that. And then... Uh, uh, we here at uh, Kojiko and your TV in Ontario, we do a hockey day in the OHL a triple header broadcast uh, that comes up February 5th this year, where we uh, take the games that are normally regionally broadcast and send them across our network, across the, the Ontario Hockey League, uh, the Kojiko your TV network that we have. And uh, so it makes things uh, exciting day. Uh, three games, eight and a half hours. They lock me in a studio, throw me some snacks every little while to keep me going for the eight and a half hour broadcast, but really showcases the league and gives fans a chance to see players from other teams that maybe they don't normally see with the regional coverage and they can see some star players in various markets and watching for them. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a busy time. I'm looking forward to uh, Sarnia's last game is uh, December 16th, a game in Flint to Michigan that I have to do uh, pre-post game and intermissions for. And then uh, their next action will be December 30th as they'll start the rivalry again with the London Knights. But that two-week break will be very nice as well to maybe uh, sneak in a little vacation, a little family time as well. It's awesome. Terry, thank you for joining me today. Really enjoy catching up with you. And uh, let's not leave it so long next time. Absolutely, Scott. Anytime we will we will definitely see you in Kamloops, but we'll make sure we see each other before that.